Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. Today we have a mystery, Brandy. We do. Yes, we're going to talk about the Loplove uh, Pass incident in which uh, nine hikers uh, were in the Ural Mountains. You ever been in the Ural Mountains? Brandy? I can't say that I have, Tim. Okay. I'm sure Chuck has. I'm sure he has. In the Soviet Union. Uh, when they mysteriously uh, perished, Brandy, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the theories and what occurred there. This um, script was submitted to us by our good friend Jason, Jason Dykes, and um, you know he, he he put some disclaimers in there about him and uh, his uh, sexiness and all that, but I'm going to ignore that. But uh, we do want to thank <laughs> Jason um, for uh, for this script. It was it's. It's an interesting case, and we'll get into that. But before we do, I want to remind everyone that we are a comedy podcast. We use adult language, so if that offends you, then by all means, check out one of the other wonderful podcasts, true crime podcasts out there. There are many wonderful um, independent true crime podcasts. Please be sure to check them out. I am joined, as always today, by the very lovely and talented, a lady who is known throughout the land as Brandy the Benevolent. Her Majesty Brandy the First. How are you today, Brandy? If at all, I'm I'm good. It's uh, the kids are on spring break, so I'm I'm planning on working some overtime, so I don't have to be at home with them. I see. And so, uh, young Noah is off on spring break. Young Noah is off on spring break, and uh, he's he's pretty excited about that, and just kind of you know we're getting ready to get a bunch of snow, evidently. Yeah, man, it's supposed to. They keep it. changing it. I it know. was, you it know, was a foot of snow, and now it's like six inches. And whatever, whatever. It's, it's like spring, so I don't know what we're having. It's some bullshit. I agree. It is bullshit. Um, so no, we'll be on spring break next week. No, and Jacob both are on spring break next okay. week. So we're pretty not. I'm not as excited about it as they are. Uh, so will you be? Will you work? Are you working next week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you were taking off to spend quality time no. with your, your boys. No, I spend quality time with them. I right. spend enough quality time with them. All right. I'm, I'm a very busy woman here. I'm very important. You I have, are? I have stuff that I have to do. You do very important things that I, you can't usually be found. That well, because that's the way I like it. I see. We are normally joined by our uh, partner, our co-host, the Colonel. I want to make something clear. Yes. On the last podcast, when, you know, I came, I, in air quotes, came in, and then I had to leave. Yeah. Let me make clear that that was not me. Okay. Charles does a very piss-poor impression of me. Oh, so that was him pretending to be. Well, you were here. You know that I'm good and well it was. (laughs) I didn't encourage that. I'm sure you did not. I'm sure you did not. But now, you know, he's not here today because he's off doing. He's shooting at. Stationary objects. I don't. How challenging can that be uh, for him? I, you know, <laughs> Chuck is uh, not with us today. He decided he was going to a shooting tournament, uh-huh. and um, I don't know. You know, I don't know why he's doing that. But you know, he lives in an urban jungle. <laughs> he does. You never know. So he won't be with us for this uh, this podcast. I know you back. all are sad. Yeah, but he'll be back. Well, and that also means we might get through this in under, you know. Four hours. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready to jump into this uh, this story? Hit me. All right. 
Uh, I've watched a couple of documentaries on this just to, so I was familiar with it. But um, as I said, Jason, this was written by Jason Dyke, so we appreciate uh, all your help, Jason. Uh, the the Yacht Love, uh, I'm probably screwing that up, but uh, the, the Yacht Love Pass incident refers to the unsolved deaths of nine skiers slash hikers. Sometimes they hike, sometimes they ski. They probably hike uphill, ski downhill. That's what I would do. Well, yeah, in their ski it also makes them overachievers. Yes, yes. Uh, in the northern Ural Mountains, and uh, I know you've never been to the Ural Mountains. I you know, can't say that I have. In the, it's in the old Soviet Union. What, it would involve hiking? Yes, you're not a fan of hiking. I'm not a huge fan. Nature and I have, have a tentative agreement. Just, I want to go tre- you know, trekking is just a fancy word for walking. It is. Nature's dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Nature's, nature is dirty. It gets all over on you. I, it's, ugh. Uh, yeah, well, I, these folks were out in nature, so it's their own damn fault, really. Well, it, this is what I'm saying. Okay, so anyway, these, this um, the Lot Love Pass incident occurred between February 1st and February 2nd. 1959. That would be right around Groundhog's Day, Brandy. That's true. Yes. In 1959. I wonder if he predicted six more weeks of winter. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the, one of the theories is they died of an avalanche, so in that case, it was at least one more day of winter. Well, right. Uh, now, this, was, this group was experienced. They were experienced in hiking, so they, they got the walking down. Yeah, but were they experienced in skiing? I'm, it said an experienced hiking group. Now, again, I didn't. Uh, Did they wear tennis shoes? Did they wear tennis shoes on their shoes <laughs> so they I could get through there? They probably wore or the, tennis rackets. Uh, That's what it was. Wore the, uh, they were tennis rackets. Tennis rackets yeah. yeah, the old ones. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Or they may have wore Crocs. You never know. Well, I don't think Crocs were around in 1959. I don't think they were. Never mind the fact that if they're hiking in the snow, <laughs> that would make your feet well, a bit chilly. They wear socks with them. Well, okay. The experienced hiking group, he says they're experienced. I'm going to take Jason's word for it. Yeah, whatever. Take it with a grain of salt. Who were all from the uh, Ural Polytechnic Institute, Brandy. Good old UPI. Us. Go Tigers. <laughs> uh, they were uh, members of the, they were, you know, they were a part of this university and established uh, a camp. They established a camp on the Kolak Sakila. They should have been studying. I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm guessing it's like a mountain. It's okay. Because it has a slope. Well, they established camp, so yeah. there's a flat spot somewhere. Yeah, there was. Uh, so that must have been like their base camp. Okay. During the night, in the evening, when the sun goes down, sure, something caused them to tear their way out of their tent and flee. Maybe, maybe they thought better of hiking. <laughs> well, it seems like it. it I don't know if they'd all come to that conclusion all at once. You don't know. Group think. Anyway, they took off from their uh, campsite. Um, now, they know that it was done in haste because the hikers were inadequately dressed for a heavy snowfall and sub-zero temperatures. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> oh, yeah, but, I mean, you know, if you're, you know, <laughs> you're relaxing nude in your tent. And all of a sudden, you know, you want to put on a a robe at least before you go out. I don't know that you're in the the freezing ass mountains and you're relaxing nude. I kind of, I kind of feel like you you should, I know, but I feel like you should kind of sleep in your clothes if you're out doing that. Well, lesson learned because they, 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 well, they were, I guess they were in their clothes, but they wasn't 
you know, dressed to the... Yeah, I'm dressed to go at all times. Well, I don't guess they were. Now, after their bodies were discovered, there was nine of them, remember? I think you're seven men and two women, if I remember right. right. So they probably, uh, you know, the women probably got a lot of action. Jesus. That's four and a half to one. That's what's important. Four, Four and a half to one. Great show. After the group's body were discovered, an investigation by the Soviet Union authorities determined that six had died from hypothermia, Brandy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That means they were really cold. Yes, that's what it means. While the other three showed signs of physical trauma. Not drama, but trauma. Trauma, yeah, sure. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. You can go into... I mean, really, trauma just means that you got hit by something, right? I understand, yes. Some, uh, yeah. I, yes, see, yes, I know yes. all these medical terminologies. You are so good. You go to a trauma center is that if you get hit by a car. If you're just emotionally drained, you go into a drama center. Or, a whole, or you do a podcast. Or you do a podcast. Yeah, that's true. Additionally, another team member was missing uh, their tongue and eyes. Uh, that's no good. No. Uh, you know, you need the tongue, especially if you're going to talk. Well, sure. Podcasters need tongues because it's very difficult to do a podcast without a tongue. I've heard that. The investigation concluded, Brandy, that there was an unknown compelling force that caused the death of these nine individuals. Well, that's some crack investigating. (laughs) Now, there's been numerous theories put forward to account for the unexplained deaths, and uh, you're going to get into the theories later. Uh, But let me tell you, give a little background. 1958, a a group, not a groom, a group was formed. (laughs) For a skiing expedition across the northern Ural Mountains in some place in the Soviet Union. I, I can't pronounce, pronounce it. Uh, the capital was Yekurniburg, something like that. Um, <laughs> oh, and Jason notes it's where the Romanovs were um, uh, executed, same place. Oh, maybe they're haunting the area. It might have been, although that was 50 years later, 40 years later. Whatever. Now, um, Igor, well. he off. Did he have a hump? Um, he was a 23-year-old radio engineer student, Brandy. He assembled, assembled a group of nine others, eight men and two women. No, yeah, yeah. Eight men, two women, for a trip, at most of whom uh, were fellow students at the university. So these are, you know, college, crazy college kids. Spring break. Uh, Somewhere the- cold. <laughs> Up in the Hurl Mountains. Yeah, it's silly. I, I'd go to Daytona myself, but. Right, you yeah. know. You know, whatever floats your boat. Anyway, this. now each member, here answers your question. Each member of the group were experienced grade two hikers. I suppose oh. that's good. How do, how do you measure that? Well, there's apparently different grades, and they're grade two, which well, I assume is better than grade one, or I don't know, sometimes that goes backwards. You know, it's like felonies. I don't like know. I feel like if you can level. walk at all, that's grade one. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Well, apparently... And they who grades put, it? I forget, they forgot to put their clothes on yeah. going out sub Rivera. So you think that they, they might get that certification revoked. <laughs> but anyway, they, they were experienced skiers. Now, uh, a note here that Jason had, the old Soviet system of grading hikers oh. has been since supplanted by a new one. Oh, there's a new system. <laughs> Why? And grade two means you've gone over rock, snow, ice, and at least 100 miles in the frozen tundra. So, so, you know, they've been around, walked, they've been around the block. Wait a minute. So, they went so over in a rock. All, wait a minute. So, in for all 
for all intents and purposes, yeah. you are a grade two hiker. I am because I've been over rock. Uh, what else did I say? A snow. A snow, ice. And walked over 100 miles. Yeah. I would be a great. I would be considered a great two. Uh, I guess I would be too in that system. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I feel good about that. I'm gonna get that put that on my business card. I th- yeah, I want to be introduced as that from now on. I, I will introduce you on the show as a great two hiker. I would appreciate now, that. This is the old Soviet system. Well, whatever. It doesn't exist anymore. But it works for me. All right. Sorry. Uh, so, um, that, thank you, Jason, for including that trivia. Yeah. That explains a lot. All right, so the goal of the expedition was to reach a town, or a mountain, I guess, Oriton, which was 6.2 miles north of where this incident occurred. So they were, you know, six miles away from being through this uh, trek. This route in February was estimated as a Category 3. So don't take Category 2 hikers to hike a Category 3. Grade, uh, yeah. That seems seems (laughs) ill-advised. Well, apparently it was, as things turn out. Now, if they made it, then they'd been grade three hikers, wouldn't they? I would think so. Yeah, they got promoted. But at last, they did. God, it's a little harsh. <laughs> the most difficult, and um, uh, and the members of the, uh, this is, you know, the category three is the most difficult, and the members of the expedition uh, would have received their grade three certification upon their return. Oh. But, of course, they didn't return, so. Timmy. Can't, don't get that little certificate. Jesus. But maybe they got a... Maybe got an honorary grade three. A, a participation trophy, maybe. Maybe. Uh, the members of this expedition were a bunch of Russian names that I can't pronounce, but I'm going to give you, like, their uh, first names, okay? All right. There were Igor that I just mentioned, right? Yes. He, he kind of got all this together, <laughs> right? But so blame this. Igor. Igor. There was a guy named Yuri. Now, there's three people named Yuri. Yuri 1, Yuri 2, and Yuri 3. All right. So, hell, that takes up half the group. Right. A lot so, of Yuris. There's a woman named Ludmilla. Oh, that's unfortunate. And there was someone named Alexander. That's kind of nice. Zenade, which I think was the other woman. Nicola. Or it might have been a woman. I don't know. Rustin. And Zenera. And I have no idea. I know they've screwed up all those things. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes. I can't even speak English, let alone Russian. So I don't know why fuck Jason chooses story. But anyway. Yeah. The group arrived by train in Ivedale, which is a city 
in you know in this location. So they were going to hike from this city to Oregon the mountain, right? Right. And they took a truck from this city to a village called Visa. Uh, and this is the last inhabited settlement in the north Urals. Okay. Uh, while spending the night in Zina, whatever the hell the name of this place is, the skiers purchase extra food supplies for their trek. So they, they're proving to be pretty responsible grade two hikers. Thus far. Thus far. On January 27, 1959, they begin their journey from Orton to Vizali, wherever this place is. On January 28th, the next day, Yuri number three, who suffers from rheumatism oh. and congenital heart failure. What? There's a lot happening there. Was, first to tor- was forced to turn back. Because remember I said they had 10 originally? Right. Forced to turn back due to knee and joint pain. Well, yeah. And he should try this about Icy Hot. I think that would have helped. <sighs> yeah, well, of course. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he turns back. So now we're down to two Yuris. Oh. He really on and the then three, there were two. <laughs> really? You're on a three Yuri trip. You need that you need all three of your Yuris. You're already starting out, you're down a Yuri. So Jeez. that should have been a, that should have been a red flag right there. One Yuri down. But the uh, remaining group, including the other two Yuris, decided to continue uh, on their trek, Brandy. Now di- diaries and cameras were found uh, around their last campsite, made it possible to track the group's route up to the day preceding the incident. And we can say this incident. We don't know what happened, right? We no, just, we do not. We just know something happened because they're dead. They're dead. Yes. Unless it was like, you know, they just all died simultaneously of natural causes, which would seem unlikely to me. But, you know, I'm not. I, I'm well, not eyes a, just don't spontaneously <laughs> gouge themselves out. I'm not a, uh, I'm just a grade two hiker, so. I don't well, know. that's what true. Do what do I know? Yeah. Uh, January 21st, the group arrived on the edge of the Highland area and began to prepare for climbing, Brandy. Yes, yes, yes. In a wooded valley, they stashed surplus food and equipment that would they would use uh, for the trip back. So that's, sure. That's smart. Thinking ahead. Yeah. You, 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 you uh, stash your food, and on the way back, you won't go hungry. You don't have to carry it the whole time. Yes. There's no need to carry all that food if... You're going to need it on the way back. You are correct for the eighth time. The following day, February the 1st. No, okay. Right before, remember the incident happened February 1st or 2nd. We don't know the exact date. Okay. I'm we ready. Know it's the 1st of February or the 2nd of February. Either. Oh, my God. It was Get either. What happened, Tim? It was either Groundhog Day Eve or Groundhog Day. Okay. The following day, February 1st, the hikers started to move through the pass. It seemed they planned to get over the pass and make camp on the opposite side. That makes sense. Sure. You don't want to you don't want to make camp in the middle of the pass. No, nah, it gets cold and windy. Yeah. But because of worsening weather conditions, there were snowstorms and decreasing visibility pretty much like here. Right. Right today. Uh, they lost their direction, Brandy. How can you lose your direction in a pass? Depends know. on how big the pass is. It must have been a big motherfucking pass. Well, you lose your direction. Let me tell you something. <laughs> that is to be the scariest fucking thing. Like no joke. That has to be what, terrifying. Blizzard, don't know where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
think you're right. I don't even like driving in the even snow. Even if you are a grade three hiker, it would not be easy. No. I don't even like driving in the snow. Like, I can't imagine having to walk. No. Yeah, I just don't get it. You know, I told you I used to go camping a lot. Till one day I, I was camping in North Carolina in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and I was damp and cold. And I had yeah. To and I'm like, fuck that noise. Yeah, like, why? why? No. Why am I doing this? Dave liked to camp in white water raft. And he's like, he goes, well, maybe I'll get some camping gear. And we'll... we <laughs> There's no we in this situation. Fucking hotels? Yeah. Dude, I'm not 12. We're not doing that <laughs> shit. I went white water rafting once, too. Oh, it, was a ter- it was a disaster. You know, I admire. People, people had drowned like the week before we got there. Well, of course they did. It was a, it was flooded. And they wasn't supposed to run yeah. because it was above, you know, it was like a, uh, I don't know, uh, they were like a level six. And you're like, you're not supposed to go above a level five. Right. But anyway, and, you know, I don't swim. So. I did not know. Why yeah. would you go white water rafting <laughs> well, if you don't swim? Question. That's a question I ask myself quite often. That what the fuck? And why can't you swim? Uh, because, uh, you can learn on the internet. No, I, no, I almost drowned when I was little. So, it, so maybe you should learn to swim. No, no. But anyway, I'm going this trip down the New River in West Virginia. Uh huh. And there, the oceans there. They're investigating the company that we're going down with. Uh huh. And so I'm a little freaked out because we're camping out the night before, and then we're supposed to go down the river the next day. And it's like a six-hour trip. Yeah. And the people who had drowned, the guy who had drowned, they had gone the week before did the same thing we did, only, um. This guy dies like an hour into the trip, and they have to put his body back in the raft because you know they picked right, him up at the right, of the river. Right. So these guys are, you know, it went five hours with this dead body. I bet that raft. puts a damper on the whole no, trip. They said that it was weird because people they were like wanting to hit the holes and stuff because I know it seemed weird to me. This is our friend dead in the boat, but anyway, get back to my point. Would uh, you? So I'm going. You get to meet the guides the day before, mm-hmm. and it, I mean these guys are like out of deliverance, right? They got long hair sure. and beards and all. This. So I'm trying to find one that's not really a Yahoo. So I get this guy. He's, he's got military kind of haircut. He's seen, he he was the captain of the group. Uh-huh. He seemed responsible. So I said, you know, I'm a little worried. I don't swim, and he's like, oh, it, you know, swimming's not going to help you anyway because if you get knocked out of the boat and it's, the the water's so high, you're probably you know it's not going to help you. So. Uh, but he says, you go in my boat. I'm the lead boat. Go in my boat. I'll make sure we don't tip over. So I said, okay, I trust this guy. Well, what they did, he didn't tell me is as the lead boat, you, you go down first so you can, help that would be the, the point of the lead boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do that so that if anyone else tips over, you can help them. Right. But if you tip over, there's no one down there to help you. Right. So it was quite scary. And, uh, a lot of our group did, a lot of the boats in our group tipped over, but ours didn't. So. Well, see, so he... I'm here. I'm here. Well, here I am. And he... I was not a grade two hiker at the time. Well, no. And, you know, he followed through on his promise. He did. He did. He was very responsible. But he yelled I at just, us, man. It was like... It, it, they didn't take no shit when they tell you... you well, know, no. Like, There's yeah. things you got to do to be safe. <laughs> yeah. They don't play. They don't play. You know what, though? But I, and I admire people that, you know, love to hike and they love to do it. I just... Especially in the cold. I don't like... I don't want to be out in the cold. Yeah, I'm with you there. Not like the colonel. He's out shooting that stationary object out in the cold today. He might be doing it inside. Maybe. He should not take the gun inside. That uh, should not be that. That's, that seems inappropriate to me. <laughs> anyway, back to these idiots hiking across Russia. Why? What? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. victims, right. I'm sorry. Uh, but they're Russian. We don't like Russians that much. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so uh, anyway, they're, they're, these four souls were hiking, these four grade two hikers. Yeah, they, and they're, they got a blizzard. They're trying they're, to go through the pass. There's a blizzard going on. They're trying to get across this pass. They don't know where they're going. Uh, now, they could have went downhill just a little less than a mile. Uh, that's 1.5 kilometers for those of you on the metric system, Brandy. Sure. Uh, and there was a forest area where they could have found shelter. And got out of yeah. the elements. But they didn't do that. But they didn't know, I'm sure. Uh, you remember Yuri number three? He dropped out of the expedition. Right, right. I bet he's glad now. <laughs> it was a wise decision. But he, he said that, um, you know, that had they done that, they would have been okay. But they didn't. Clearly. And, you know, we all have to live by this, the choices we make. And apparently that wasn't a good one. So the bad weather, you know, it slowed their progress, you know, slower than they planned. Uh, but the, their last diary entries, remember they had diaries. Right. Uh, they reflected high spirits, Brandy. So they, they were in a good mood. Well, they, they're in college. This is an adventure. Right. Yeah. But there's only two women. That, that suck. Well, depends on who you are, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna, you have to beat out like eight other guys or at least seven other guys. Do you, though? Yeah, you really do. I don't even know. They might have even been attractive women. We don't know. Sometimes Russian women are not that attractive. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. No no offense to our Russian listeners. Before, no. <laughs> clearly, I'm sure they're not offended. We, if Chuck was here, he would have said something inappropriate. <sighs> He'd been on the Canadian. I expect better from you. All right. Before leaving the university, from the university, Yuri Dotloff, the guy got it all together, he had told the sports club that he would send a telegram as soon as the group returned to the city. Okay, so as soon as they got back to this little village, they would send a telegram after their... Letting everybody know they were all right. Yeah, you know, after their hike, right? Sure. It was expected no later than February 12th, which, of course, I believe is President Lincoln's birthday. But I could be wrong. Not that day, because that was 1959. President Lincoln already been dead. But, I mean, he would have been celebrated. Sure. Day. Probably not by the Russians. Probably not. But anyway, Yuri number uh, he he uh, Yuri the guy who started this trip Yuri number one mm-hmm. he told Yuri number three that he would send them this telegram letting them know that they made it. When February twelfth passed and no messages were received, uh, there was no immediate reaction. They just thought that it was delayed, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe you know if they got caught up in something. Maybe they went bar hopping. It was spring break. By March first, people were starting to wonder. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Actually, it was before then. It was not until the relatives of the travelers demanded a rescue operation on February 20th that the head of the Institute um, first sent a rescue group in to try to figure out where these, you know, find these, these kids, right? And they were, I mean, they're young college students. Now, later, the Army and the local police forces became involved. I bet they have a crack. Jack, a local police force in the Ural Mountains. Hey, you know, I bet this wasn't their first rodeo getting some college kids out of the out of the pass. Probably not. So they got planes involved. They got helicopters involved. All are flying over trying to find these. What about the KGB? See, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you think Natasha and uh, Boris? Boris? Yeah. Well, they should have. Yeah, they should have been out there. They should have been out there. I like Boris's uh, raincoat. I like that. And his hat. That's yes. Look. I'm going to start. I'm going to bring that look back. He's dressed as a flasher. <laughs> well, maybe he flashed. Although, you know, Natasha was taller than him. 
Yes, so by quite a bit. I don't know why she would uh, be attracted to Boris. Maybe he had a big dick. <laughs> Maybe. You think Boris was hung? I, you know. Something, needs, something has to explain it. That, exactly. He, uh, either that or he That's as some, good as anything and, else. And he may have had some incriminating information with her because he was with the KGB. That's true. But so, so was she. She was the Red Sparrow, I think, Natasha. Ah. I want to see that movie. I just don't see Jennifer Lawrence as a Russian spy, though. Yeah. She's from Kentucky, for Christ's sake. She is. On February 26th, so this is, uh, you know, almost, you know, what, three weeks after the disappearance. Right. The searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent. So, not looking good, Brandy. The campsite baffled the search party. You've been baffled? I'm all the time. <laughs> Now, this guy named Michaela, uh, whatever, the student who found the tent, the tent was half torn down and covered with snow, Brandy. Well, probably because it had been snowing. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. That's the conclusion that I would come down. But you know, it was half torn down, so we don't know why that. Occurred. Maybe the snow tore it down. It was empty, all except for the group's belongings and shoes that were left behind. So they ran out of their tent with no shoes on. I think you sleep with your shoes on if you're in that situation. Uh, eight or nine sets of footprints left by people who were wearing only socks. Uh, a single shoe, uh, or even bare feet. So someone didn't have any shoes. Some had bare feet. Somebody some had socks, one shoe on. Someone had one shoe on. And it led toward the edge of a nearby forest. It was about almost a mile away to the northeast. At the forest edge, under a large cedar, the searchers found the visible remains of a small fire, along with the first two bodies. Those of Yuri number one and Yuri number two. Mm, so, the Yuris died together. Yes. Your eye. <laughs> Your eyes, yeah. 
Now, shoeless, they were shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. Huh. Perhaps they had, I don't know if it was boxers or briefs. Not I important. I hope it was long underwear. Well, you would hope. The branches on the trees were broken up to 16 feet high. Jesus. Suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something, perhaps to camp. So they got, so they, they had their camp, their tent, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're away from there. They run out of their tent, and it doesn't look like they can find, get back, make their, because it's a blizzard, there's right. snow. And they're, you know, they half naked. They, yeah, they don't know where their tent is, right? They don't have a GPS. They're out there all just in, willy-nilly. Willy-nilly out in the Ural Mountains. You don't go out in the Ural Mountains unless you know where you're going. Go right there and right back. That's my philosophy. All right. So between the cedar tree and the camp, searchers found three more dead bodies. Igor, remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, Zenadea, which I think is the other woman. Woman. And Rustin, who seemed to have died in poses suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. I don't know what that means. I guess they were kind of, you know, looked like they were heading that direction. They were found separately at distances of 300 meters or 900 feet. So maybe they were like in a line. I don't know. But the, anyway, um, searching for the remaining four travelers took more than two months. Jeez. So they found five. Four of them still right. missing. Now, the, the four were finally found on May 4th under 13 feet of snow Jeez. in a ravine that was three, 246 uh, feet deep into the woods from the cedar tree. Jesus. Now, these four, these last four they found were better dressed than the others. Now, I don't know if that means they were had more clothes on or they were just a little snappier at dressing. I don't know. Designers. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they were better dressed, according to Jason. And there were signs that those who died first had apparently given up their clothes to the others. So. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I would do that. Not I don't, willingly. <laughs> no, I feel like I, you know what. I bet they just waited after they died. They just took their clothes off of them. You think? <laughs> you think they waited for them to die? <laughs> well, no. I mean. <laughs> All right, so the Sinyan, who Sinyan is one of the hikers, and Ludimila, Ludi, Ludimila, who was the other woman, had on a uh, fox, uh, fox coat and hat. So A what? Fox, a fo, faux, faux. A faux co- fox? Faux fox. While her foot, Ludimila, Ludimila, whatever the fuck her name is, was wrapped in a piece of Yuri's number two wood tr- wool trousers. So... She wrapped her foot in the man's pants. Yuri number two, who was under the cedar tree. Yes. Well, how the fuck did that happen? (laughs) That's why it's a fucking mystery. So so she's got his wool trousers wrapped around her foot. Was her foot damaged or was she just trying to keep it warm? I I, I think she's trying to keep it warm. So theoretically what may happen, as you suggested, is that Yuri two had, had perished. And they got all their clothes, and she didn't have any shoes, so she wrapped his pants around her feet. Do you think they found they found Yuri's? They found the Yuri and then just tried know, to keep hiking? We, maybe. Okay. Now, he's got a note here. It says, images of the discovery, the bodies that they were found before the autopsy, can be found online. No. So thank you, Jason, for that side note. Yes. A legal... Inquest started immediately, Brandy. Yeah. 
uh, after finding the first of five bodies in February. A medical examination found no injuries, which may have caused death. And it was eventually concluded that all had died from hypothermia. The Rustin guy who had been found on the path between the forest and the tent had a small crack in his skull, but it was not thought to be the fatal wound. So, you know, perhaps it was an old football injury. Well, or he fell. Yeah, or something happened to him after he died. But they, anyway, they don't think it had anything to do with his death. Okay. Okay, so an examination of four bodies, which were found in May, the, you know, the ones that were away from the, further away. Mm-hmm. Um, three of those hikers were found to have fatal injuries. Nikolai, Nikolai had major skull damage, and both Lidomila and Simon, I don't know these names, had major chest fractures. Oh. You know, that's a problem. Yeah, major yeah. Major chest, chest fractures. According to this Dr. Bohr, somebody, the force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high, comparing it to the force of, uh, force of a car crash. Oh, geez. I thought he had car wash here, and I'm like, that don't make any sense. No, that would not. Yeah, but it was force of a car crash, so... I don't know if they were driving a car out there in the Ural Mountains, but it had that same type of uh, That would have been better than walking. Yes. Notably, the bodies had no external wounds related to the bone uh, fractures, as they were had been subjected to a high level of pressure. Okay, so something's wrong here, right? However, it should be noted that the fall in the ravine where the bodies were found was about 10 to 17 feet, and there were large blocks in the area where the hikers would have landed. So it's theoretically possible that yeah. fall could have caused it. Or wouldn't the pressure of the snow cause that? I mean, well, 13 feet of snow is on top of them. Yeah, or the other th- one of the theories we'll get to later is an avalanche. So Right. But, um, you know that, uh, the, you know, Circus Olay, mm-hmm. you know the guy died mm-hmm. the other day? He just fell 20 feet. That doesn't seem like it, that, that's far. He must have hit at a weird angle. Because it doesn't seem that far, right? 20 feet's not that far. I don't know. Are these nine-foot ceilings? Yeah, it's probably like falling from there, our ceiling. Twice, I mean, we're... No, it would be pretty far. Like three of us, basically. Well, it would be like falling from... It would be higher than the roof. Well, no. It would be like climbing and jumping off the roof of this building. Okay. Okay, we, we, we're in a small... I mean, it's small building. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so... Th- that may account for these the, these uh, injuries. However, major external injuries were also found on Ludamilla, who was missing her tongue, eyes, part of the, her lips, as well as facial tissue and a fragment of her skull bone. She That's ha- that is suspect. <laughs> okay, she had an excessive skin. Myocretion, which is a softening of the skin tissue due to prolonged moisture exposure. Yeah. And that could be just the exposure, I mean, being outside. Right. For long. It was claimed that she was found laying face down in a small stream that ran under the snow and that her external injuries were in line uh, with the uh, wet environment and were unlikely related to her death. So there were initial speculations that. The local indigenous people called the Mansi may have attacked and murdered the group. Are they violent people? Uh, for encroaching upon their land. Well, you know, they're territorial. People are, you know, people are territorial. 
Look how you are with your Pop-Tarts. But investigations indicate that the nature of their death did not support this hypothesis that these uh, natives were attacked, the group. The hikers' footprints alone were visible, and they showed show no sign of hand-to-hand struggle. At the time, the verdict uh, was that the group members all died because of a compelling natural force. The inquest officially ended in May of 1959, um, because they just couldn't figure out why these people had died. So the files were sent to an archive, and photocopies of the case became available only in the 1990s. So, what, 30 years? This mm-hmm. case pretty much was cold. Although some... Just get, you get that? The cold, cold. Yeah, got it, got it. Yeah. Very funny. Although some parts of the when of this case were missing, some of the evidence were missing when they, they, they pulled these right. records. The files have been since been posted online... And the following information can be found in them. Okay, I'm going to give you a list of things that you find online about this. Six of the group members died of hypothermia and three of fatal injuries. There were no indications of other people nearby this, where they were at. Right. The tent had been ripped open from the inside. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. I guess they can do an autopsy and know right. how you know your food is digested or whatever. Traces from the camp showed that all group members left the campsite on their own accord on foot. Release documents contain no information about the conditions of the skier's internal organs. I wonder if they even did autopsies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since the 1990s and the opening of the former Soviet Union, of course, this Iron Curtain fell in 1989, so they're more open. They were more open for a while, anyway. The mystery has attracted widespread attention. This is really, we thought maybe this would be a good uh, topic for Haunted Visions because of the paranormal mm-hmm. implications. Uh, other details were also released by witnesses in the, in the 1990s. So here's some other details. 12-year-old Yuri. <laughs> He's 12? Kuntsevich. Okay who later became the head of uh, this foundation that they have for these hikers. Uh, He recalled that their skin had a deep brown tan to it, which is kind of odd. Discoloration. Uh, However, you know, discoloration is not, I guess, that unnormal. The body's been out exposed for any length of time. Another group of hikers, 31 miles south of where the incident was reported, said they saw a strange orange spear in the night sky on the night of the incident. They saw similar lights. Similar lights were observed in nearby communities from February to March 1959 uh, by various independent witnesses, including uh, the Weather Service and the military. However, these sightings were not noted in the initial investigation in 1959. So there's some, you know, and that's had led to speculation that UFOs were involved or it may have been a meteor right. that killed them. In 1990, a former police officer uh, who led the official inquest in 1959 published an article which uh, included his admission that the investigation team had no rational explanation for the accident. I don't know what happened. He also stated that his team reported they had seen flying objects and they received direct orders from high-ranking regional officials to dismiss the claim. Uh, 
However, Russian mount, a famous Russian mountaineer, somebody, Blayanov, says he found no verifiable reports of UFOs in the Urals on the dates that the incident occurs. So we have a mystery, Brandy. We do. We do. Tell us some of the theories that has come, people have put forth to explain this very puzzling circumstance. I'm rubbing my chin. Great. So some of the theories that were put forth, First, the first theory is that there was an avalanche. Okay. That um, snow falling down from the hills. It, do, it does. They don't. Uh, so the theory that the avalanche caused the hiker's death was championed by American author Benjamin Rafford, as quoted here. Uh, so this is a quote from his book or whatever. Okay. The group woke up in a panic and cut their way out of their tent, either because an avalanche had covered the entrance to their tent or because they were scared that an avalanche was imminent. They were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping and ran to the safety of the nearby woods where trees would help slow the oncoming snow. In the darkness of night, they got separated into two or three groups. One group made a fire while the others tried to return to the tent to recover their clothing, but it was too cold and they all froze to death before they could locate their tent in the darkness. A group... The group of four, whose bodies were recovered in the ravine, were severely damaged by the avalanche and buried under 13 feet of snow, more than enough to account for the compelling natural force the medical examiner described. Yeah, but what I can't figure out is, like, because they said that, that one group that they found later, they had died. They didn't die at the same time, they didn't think. Well, it seemed uh, like, you know, they seemed like, if it was an avalanche, it seems like it would all die instantaneously or... Well, no, not not unless they all got buried, right? Which they did not. Uh, Dubanina's tongue was likely removed by scavengers and ordinary predation. See, you got to watch out for scavengers because they'll t- they'll cut the tongue right out of your mouth. They'll take everything. Mm-hmm. So, evidence that contradicts the avalanche theory includes yes. the location of the incident did not have any obvious signs of an avalanche. Uh, an avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris distributed over a wide area. The first five bodies were covered with a very shallow layer of snow, and had there been an avalanche of sufficient strength to sweep away the second party, those bodies would have been swept away as well. Uh, This would have caused more serious and different injuries in the process and would have damaged the tree line. Uh, An analysis of the terrain, the slope, and the incline indicates that even if there could have been a very specific avalanche, that circumvents the other criticisms, its trajectory would have bypassed the tent. It, it had collapsed laterally, not horizontally. Oh, that's important. Duh. Hey, you know, you know what's weird is, you ever see like on Mount Everest where there's, they have the dead bodies? Yeah, people tent. just walk past them. They, they use them like landmarks. Yeah, that would freak me out. Uh, Igor was an experienced skier, and much the much older Alexander was studying for his master's certification in ski instruction and mountain hiking. So he was go- he was close to being a certified three. Like, I don't I didn't know you could get a master's in ski instruction. Uh, neither of these two men would have been likely to camp anywhere in the path of a potential avalanche. You would think so if he's a master. You would think. Another hypothesis popularized by Donnie Eicher's th- 2013 book Dead Mountain is that when going around the Holtat, Latchel, whatever, mountain created a Carmen Vortex Street. Ooh, you got to watch out for the Carmen Vortex Street. 
or caramel or whatever, Vortex Street. You got to watch it out for it regardless. Well, which no matter, can... No matter how you pronounce it, you got to watch out for it. Well, which can produce infrared or infrasound, sorry, infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks in humans. So this was a massive panic attack. In the simplest terms, I'm going to say caraman. Okay. A caraman vortex street is an oscillating pattern that emerges when a fluid or gas, in this instance wind, flows around a suitably shaped object. Okay. In this instance, a topographical feature, the mountains. Uh, when they occur on such a large scale, these wind patterns can theoretically generate a very low frequency sound waves uh, that have been blamed. Like a dog whistle. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> that have been blamed for harmful psychological and, and physiological symptoms in human beings. According to a 2001 review of the medical literature, literature by the National Institute of Environmental Health Services, Sciences, uh, such symptoms can range from annoyance to fatigue to nausea. According to Eicher's theory, the infrasound generated by the wind as it passed over the top of the mountain was responsible for causing physical discomfort and mental distress in the hikers. So it's kind of like a... Dog uh, whistle. It really, yeah. Yeah, a, a dog whistle. But I mean, it's kind of like a, a mass hallucination or something. It affects them mentally. Yes. It disorients them away. Mm-hmm. Eicher claimed that because of their panic, the hikers were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary and fled down the slope. By the time they were further down the hill, they would have been out of the infrasound's path and would have regained their composure, but in the darkness would have been unable to return to their shelter. The traumatic injuries suffered by three of the victims were the result of their stumbling over the ledge of the ravine in the darkness and landing on the rocks at the bottom. Hmm. Eventually you stop. Well, right. Uh, there are records. So there, they also, there's also a theory that it was a military test. Okay. Uh, there are records of parachute mines being tested by the Russian military in the area the time, were hike- the time when the hikers were there. Yeah, this would have been at the height of the Cold War, right? mm-hmm. late 1950s. Parachute mines detonate a meter or two before they hit the ground and produce similar damage to those experienced by the hikers. Heavy internal damage with very little external trauma. There were also glowing orbs reported in the sky in that general vicinity, possibly caused by such, uh, by such an ordinance. So that was like a neutron bomb. Remember they had the neutron bomb? I remember the neutron dance. Yeah, it's kind of like neutron dance. The neutron bomb would blow, kill people, but not harm buildings. Oh. Or structures Hmm. or whatever. This theory claims that as part of a cover-up, the bodies and tents were moved. Photos of the tent show that it was apparently erected incorrectly, something that these experienced hikers are unlikely to have done. This theory... Well, this theory in particular, when combined with the speculation about radiological weapons, is partly based on the findings of radioactivity on some of the clothing as well as the bodies being described by relatives as having orange skin and gray hair. Yeah, because remember the, they talked about the discoloration of the skin uh-huh. and that there's some radioactivity on some of the body. That's weird. However, radioactive dispersal would have affected all of the hikers and equipment instead of just some of it. And the skin and hair discoloration can be explained by a natural process of mummification after three months of exposure to the cold and winds. Plus, no one has yeah, ever been able. Gamey, I imagine. Plus, no one has ever been able to agree how severe the radioactive readings were. Furthermore, the initial suppression of files regarding the group's disappearance by Soviet authorities, Soviet authorities, is sometimes mentioned as evidence of a cover-up. Hmm. 
But the concealment of information regarding domestic incidents was standard procedure in the USSR and therefore far from peculiar. And by the late 1990s, all detailed files, some incomplete, had been released. Then we have the theory of paradoxical, paradoxical undressing. Uh, paradoxical undressing is a problem, Brandy. I, I guess. International Science Times posted that the hiker's deaths were caused by hypothermia, which can induce a behavior known as paradoxical undressing, in which hypothermic subjects remove their clothes in response to perceived feelings of burning warmth. They say before you freeze the death, right before you freeze the death, you start feeling warm. Yeah. That six out of the nine hikers died of hypothermia is undisputed. However, others in the group appeared to have acquired additional clothing from those who had already died, which suggests that they were of sound enough mind to add layers. However, See, I don't think, I mean, I, I get that, but I don't think it happens to everyone at once. You know what I mean? That's I, yeah. That doesn't seem likely. However, there's no explanation for how this behavior could happen to all nine hikers <laughs> at the same time. I swear to God, I didn't, know, I didn't step on you there. You kind of did steal that thunder. All right, so other theories uh, include, well, other theories. So Donnie Eicher's back, mm-hmm. uh, and he, cha- who, he had championed the infrasound theory discussed above. Uh, he made a documentary about the incident, evaluated several other theories that are deemed unlikely or have been discredited. Uh, one of them is that they were attacked by Mansi or other local tribesmen, um, but those local tribesmen were known to be peaceful and there was no track evidence of anyone approaching the tent. Uh, another theory, they were attacked and chased by animal wildlife, but there were no animal tracks and the group would, have been ab- would not have abandoned their relative security of the tent. Uh, high winds blew one member away and the others attempted to rescue the person. That's some heavy-duty wind. A large, experienced group would not have behaved like that. Yeah, here's the thing. If you're out camping in the Euro Mountains and one of your colleagues get blown away, don't go out chasing. Well, a a large, experienced group would not have behaved like that, and winds strong enough to blow away people with such force would have also blown away the tent. Good point. Good point. Uh, An argument possibly related to a romantic encounter that left some of them only partially clothed, clothed led to a violent dispute. Oh, so there may have been some shenanigans going well, on. Well, the rebuttal. There were, there were more men than there were women. Well, but the rebuttal to this, Eicher states that, all, that that is highly implausible. By all indications, the group was largely harmonious and sexual tensions were confined to platonic flirtation and crushes. Hmm. There were no drugs present and the only alcohol was a small, a small flask of medicinal alcohol found intact at the scene. The group had even sworn off cigarettes for the expedition. Furthermore, a fight could have not could not have left the massive injuries that one body had suffered. All nine victims were buried in Yekaterinburg Cemetery, and there's a large memorial to them there. On July 1, 2016, a memorial plaque was inaugurated in Sol- Solakmask in Ural's Perm region, dedicated to Yuri Yudin, the sole survivor of the expedition group. That was Yuri number one. That was Yuri number, oh, number three, three. Number three. Who number died. Yes. Yeah. Who died in 2013. Okay. So, wow, that's a weird story. Uh, Brandy, what's your thoughts on this very compelling story? Uh, 
that's why I don't hike. Well, what's, what is, what's your guess? I don't know, dude. That stuff's weird to me and so creepy. Well, I, I did see a, I remember I said I looked, I watched a couple documentaries just to kind of, because I didn't do the research on this, so I, it was Jason's. Time. Right. And uh, I watched a couple documentaries, and I thought one was kind of interesting. And it, it, I, he didn't mention it in the in the uh, in the in the theory, so I'll, I'll throw it out there. They had a stove in their tent, okay. And they had a you know it was like a pipe stove, and a pipe was mm-hmm. coming out. One of the theories is that it's pipe, a hell of a tent. The pipe became loose, yeah, and then the smoke started filling the tent. So they, they all bolted. Yeah, they they used the knife to slack, slash the tent before really thinking about oh fuck, what are we going to do now? Right. And then they ran, and they couldn't get back to even where the tent was. That's when the theories, but there wasn't. A, there's no mention of any fire or anything like that. Well, why would you run? Just cut the hole well, and I, step out. Well, I guess you know panic, and if, you know. Well, if you're in a tent out in the woods and it starts filling up with smoke, I mean, I can see you people panicking. Well, I can see panicking to get out, it's but like once you're out and outside, well, yeah. But once they got out. They realized what they had done. They had well, maybe they was trying to get away from the tent. They're afraid it's going to catch fire. Or whatever. But then they realized what they had destroyed the tent when they yeah. They ran a mile smashed. away. They're not that scared. I don't know. It it seemed a reasonable explanation. It's not right? all right. You prefer to think that an alien has abducted. I would prefer that over that stupid theory. All right. All right. I, let, well, let's see what our folks. If you have a theory on this case, uh, mention it on the our Facebook group. It's History Dweebs the podcast. Uh, come on there and tell us what you think happened. So we have um, we have a Patreon list. Yes, we do. And um, Chuck we, lost it. Chuck lost it. He, we were supposed to have it ready to go, and uh, Chuck is out of town. So and of course lost it. We, we if we miss you on this list, we're very very sorry. But there's a couple of people, Brandy. I know where it's not on your updated list. Uh, we've got Bridget Clavy there. Uh, we've got Per Westerman. He donated Per Westman. Donated six dollars and sixty six cents. Six six six. Nice, Per. Yes, thank you, Per. Uh, and then um, you're going to get. So if we miss you, uh, giving you a shout out here, we really apologize. We'll get. Oh, Kim Stroop too is also. We're blaming Chuck. We're blaming Chuck. Thank you, Kim. Um, but Brandy's going to give us a shout out of all those that we have. So, let's start with. Let me say, if you would like what? to uh, donate to us, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash history where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or. Just a wee tiny bit. Yes, thank you, Brandy. Yeah, okay. Continue. All right, so, we want to thank James Seabright, Tommy Lane, Jason Dykes, Terry Stafford, Shelly Garrett, Bridget Clavey, that Tim already thank you, called. Brandy McBride, Jennifer Savota. Maggie Glover, Mike Sadler, Jamie Dent, Maja, Tyrone, Amber Scoville, Marsha Boris, Stacy Alsop, Alsop, uh, Jody and Sean Wells, Amber Anderson, uh, Ben and Rosanna from They Walk Among Us, Lorna Violet, Mike Deo, Kelly Charette, Karen Widner, Callie, Lauren Meredith, Jessica Greeno, Mike Brown with the Pleasing Terrors podcast. Great podcast. Mm-hmm. Sarah Bloom, Amber Croup, the Now American History podcast with Joe Hopkins and Sean. Uh, Catherine Cockgarage Richardson, Fiona Crisp, Laura O'Reilly, Christine Bourgeois, Aaron, Kimberly Cambron, Elise, the History Goes Bump podcast with Diane Student, Annette Petray, Lise Jahara, uh, Alicia and Chip, 
Marika Smith, Jeff and Don Chestnut, who do Backroads to History and Poems by Jeff, Karen Barnes, Rachel Flynn, Shirley Strap, Todd Long, Lydia Fisher, Phyllis Munson, Melissa Montoya, Cindy Liu, Kristen Malachinsky, Heather Poole, Adam McWaters, The Vanished Podcast, Canadian True Crime with Christy Lee, uh, Insight with Charlie and Allie, Joe Clifford, Mistress Vader, Ron, Tracy Smith, Jess, John V, Nene, Bridget Bernhard, Stacy, Christine Hauer, Cheryl Weldon, uh, Nicholas, Ryan, uh, Margaret McDonald, Aaron Turner, Michelle Johns, The Trowbridges, Clark and Diane, Beth Wallen, Andrew Scamell, uh, Michaela Wallstrom, Aaron Fowler, Leanne Flanagan, uh, and Rudy the Wonder Dog. Evidently, he gives a dollar, which is ridiculous because he has a new job. Uh, I think it's really Chuck. The, well, can't prove it. Uh, lady Beverly. Yeah, the lovely Lady Beverly. And, of course, the Miss Dottie Scott. Yeah, hi, Mom. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Jason, for an interesting script. I uh, hope we didn't screw it up too bad. Uh, join us on our Facebook page at History Dweeves the Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at History Dweeves One. Please leave us a review if you haven't done so already. And uh, that's all I have. Brandy will be careful out in the snow. Please do not uh, go out hiking uh, in the snow this weekend because you might disappear. No worries. I think we're safe there. Okay. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time on History Dweeves. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.